All right, so hi everyone. Welcome to this year's edition of Bipocalypse. My name is Elvira and I'm joined with Addie and Aisha. Uh, and we're your hosts for this episode of Bipocalypse. So we just wanted to include in a content warning at the beginning of this episode, just because we're going to be discussing content around weight, eating disorders, body image, etc. And we would like to acknowledge that we are gathered today on the traditional lands, Anishinaabeg, Haudenosaunee, Dinapawag, and Attawadran lands. Let's start fun. So ladies, what do you think dating is like? If, if we're being a little um, shallow, how do you feel dating is for you in the body that you kind of exist in? And I feel like in our current generation, dating is already very casual and also pretty superficial. So um, dating as a Black woman is, you have to kind of have some warnings in your head about like who's approaching you, why they're approaching you, and also how you're perceived. I definitely agree. Yeah, I think also as a Black woman, you kind of have to keep in mind you know, you already have a target in a sense already towards you where you're not the desirable type, you know? So I think that also, if we're relating this to like body weight, you know, I think a lot of times like men have this perception that you need to be skinny. And I think a big thing I've heard in like just guy conversations, they'll compare you. Are you, do you have a Kylie Jenner body or do you have like a Kim Kardashian body or a Kendall body, right? And I think even just having those types of depictions of what body type these men want really kind of takes you away from wanting to date in this day and age because everything is so superficial, right? Like we just went through COVID. So a lot of the times meeting new people are through these dating apps. And the first thing you see on these dating apps are the visual depictions of individuals. So I think that also allows people to only see what is being presented. And oftentimes you see how men will always discuss about, you know, they want someone super thin. They want someone with like a big bum or like smaller waist. So I think that kind of makes it hard to date and just enjoy getting to know someone for who they are when all they care about is that visual um presentation right yeah I could not agree more I think I want to speak as a woman who is not thin um I know that there are a lot of terms on what is thin what's mid-size what's fat but at the end of the day I think that we are currently living in in this uh, like women are so controlled over what they have to look like and what they have to present like. And there are definitely a variety of things that impact that, you know, whether you think culture, history, colonialism, if you think culture appropriation, because, you know, when you're dating, men just have this ideal version of what they think a woman should be. And that is 100% influenced by things like, you know, the... uh, Per, by things like pornography, things by the media that they're seeing. And they have this idea of like what a woman is supposed to be. And if you don't fit into this very specific set of guidelines, you're immediately not worthy. And I saw this really interesting thing online and maybe you guys can sense or you can 
verify whether you felt this or experienced this too, but I saw that men often when they're trying to date, and this is, we're talking about like heterosexual relationships here, at least I am, because that's the only experience I can pull from. But you know, they want to date a woman so that they can show off to their friends as opposed to dating a woman to date a woman, right? And especially if we're talking about hookup culture, which is so prevalent, it is almost, especially when you're on dating apps, it's almost the expectation that you are going to be hooking up unless you clearly say that you're dating exclusively. And if you don't, and when you're not thin and they see you, you're completely undesirable. And immediately they don't see you as a person. I mean, as women, you're not seen as people anyway, but it's like you're degraded even further from being any type of person worthy of respect or having any sort of conversation. And if they do like you, well, are you being fetishized? Or if they do like you, they want to date you in secret because their boys can't, like you can't, they can't admit to their boys. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if you guys have experienced that. Um, I totally understand what you're saying and um, some context that I could pull from especially is euphoria in the terms that um, Kat, she is shown as a woman who is a bigger size. And what I noticed is that she was deemed to be a prude in the show because it was seen as that those who have, who aren't seen as thin can't be viewed in a sexual way. So there's that also mm-hmm. notion where if you're not thin or if you're not the ideal body type um, or if you're not conventionally seen as a sexual person, then you are completely not viewed as that. And we see it on the other side when you're hypersexualized and it's really like there's no win in any circumstance. Yeah, 100%. I totally feel that where it's like, you know, there's so many expectations thrust upon women regardless of what they look like and who they are and their experiences or just even being a woman that is compounded when you're not thin you know and if somehow you know if you have a larger chest you're somehow that is deemed super sexual but if you don't have a large chest then you're essentially a child or you know you're seen as someone who could not be sexual at all and then that's not even getting into like weird fetishes or like weird pedophilic tendencies or thought processes that are so ingrained in our society. And it's, it's so ridiculous that women have to conform to a certain body standard just for men to find them attractive. And I mean, I'm not saying that women don't have the same issue, but I feel like often it's like, a lot of the standards or patriarchal standards that women have, and you guys feel free to agree or disagree, but like, I think a lot of the standards that they have, for example, is like, a man has to be taller than me, or a man has to X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, are often rooted in the expectations that men place on women anyway. The only reason I want a man who's taller than me is because the patriarchy makes me feel like I have to be smaller than the man. There's no written rule for me to, I mean, look at Zendaya Tom Holland. They're a power couple and Shirley's taller than her boyfriend. You know what I mean? Versus when men are like, I need a woman who is 110 pounds. Sir, do you know what 110 pounds looks like? Like you have, and and again, I talked about this before, I mentioned it before, like pornography has such a huge impact on the way that men see women, especially fat women, and especially when dating. Exactly. I think 
just even there's so many points I want to touch on that you mentioned. I think that kind of talks about like the perception of body, right? When men are, you know, so focused on the media, like I've even seen now, like where men are like comparing larger women to Lizzo and they're like, oh, I'd get with like a Lizzo. And it's just so disgusting that these types of um, comparisons are being drawn and made when like even when you just mentioned like these men will say I want a woman who's 110 pounds but we don't keep into like perspective that 110 pounds will look different when you're looking at a different woman height the race like there's so many different factors right that the proportion of that weight size or the distribution of that is not what you think the media portrays. And mm -hmm. I think it's just so crazy because I remember seeing something on TikTok like a while back and it was this Calvin Klein campaign and there were larger women being used as the billboard. And then there was this man who stitched the video and he was like, now we're promoting obesity. And mm -hmm. this is so disgusting that we're promoting that women need to be unfit and yada, yada, yada. And then other people, um, and we can even bring this into the discussion of how weight um, brings into like cultural differences, how people will say, I want my wife in a certain culture to be thin. I will not marry a larger wife, right? Mm -hmm. Or a larger woman. And so I think it brings into the conversation that you know body distribution and body weight is so different and we don't know the causes of why a person can be overweight and sometimes it's not unhealthy. So mm -hmm. I think that's also a big thing that I look at when discussing um, this topic or even just in terms of relating this all back to dating, right? When you have these like mindsets already, like you said, like I want a man who's six foot eight or like I want a woman who's this or I want an individual like this. It's like we're already attaching these stereotypes and expectations and not taking people for face value and the other qualities that they bring to the table like height should not be everything weight should not be everything right so yeah. i think that's kind of my take on that as well yeah and to add on something that was mentioned previously in terms like as a woman you kind of have no leeway in what the ideal body mm -hmm. type is but yeah. when you get it on the other side we see things like dad bods being um, trending on TikTok, but you can't see the same from a woman's perspective and like a Lizzo bod or a mom bod because yeah. essentially like the process of giving birth does change your body. And mm -hmm. there's that fear that if you undergo that, if you still be loved by your significant other. So there's yeah. are constantly going through a woman's mind, even as a young age, like if she's in college or dating, mm -hmm from if she's married to someone who's meant to love her for who she is, but these thoughts are still pretty prevalent in her mind. Yeah, I oh, like that is so well said. I think it's interesting how body types can trend because that in, in, in theory, in practice as a fact is ridiculous. To me, it's frankly ridiculous. How can a body type trend? It cannot. It is somebody's body type. And unfortunately, due to like what both Aisha, both you and Addie have said, because of this culture, the social media culture, because of family, because of even racism, like, look, like, let's look 
than BBLs. They are extremely dangerous. They are one of the most dangerous cosmetic procedures that women can have. They died. There are women dying because of this cosmetic procedure because they feel the pressure to have to change their bodies. I think you don't know, again, you don't know what women look like. You don't know what natural bodies look like. And there shouldn't be an issue with people's bodies the way that they are. Women should not have to feel the pressure to have to conform to any type of body. I think that's ridiculous. And, and this idea that a certain body is healthy when another body is not healthy, based on weight, you cannot differentiate the two. That is, that's not even like an opinion. That's just a simple fact. And many people don't know that. That's why fat phobia is so prevalent in our culture and so normalized. It is okay for people to make constant comments like, oh, how does my body look in this? Your body looks fine. Your body's going to look the way your body looks, babe. It doesn't matter. Do I look skinny? You don't have to look skinny. You look fine. Do you understand what I'm trying to mean? Like, I think it's ridiculous. And it, and it goes back to, to diet and the way that we've made this crazy standard for women and people to have to abide to for no reason. And I always go back to thinking about how, you know, the roots are not just in the patriarchy, right? Like, um, I mean, Addy, Aisha, you both are black women, so maybe you have more to say about this, but back, talking back to BBLs, like the reason all of a sudden BBLs are really attractive because you're appropriating black women's bodies. And then the reason why this type of body is because it's on a brown woman. I think it's ridiculous. So you're appropriating a certain race of women while also degrading them. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't do all of this because you want to. You know what I mean? And and I, I'll speak as a South Asian woman myself, but not even as a woman who is not as as a South Asian, as a woman of color, I come from a culture where there are a lot of different body types, a lot of different body types. Women from my community, especially, we have heavy bones and we have big hips. And I think it's so weird to see the, um, what's the word, the characteristics that are seen or that were seen when I was growing up is completely gross. Now I see them, oh, they're really nice, but only in this specific fetish or in this very specific way. I don't know if you guys want to speak more on appropriation or that stuff, or if you see it at all, or the impact it's had on you guys, but that's definitely been my experience. There were a couple of things you mentioned, Avira, and one of them being um, the constant changes that as a woman you feel like you have to make. And mm -hmm. recently on TikTok, there was some conversations about Buccal fat, I believe. Addy, but buccal fat is essentially this fat that you have around. It's this area on your face, but to, in like layman's terms, it's right above your like cheekbone removed. So they kind of have those sharp cheekbones and sharp edges to their face. Think about the way Angelina's Jolie, Angelina Jolie's cheekbones are very like strong. Fine. They kind of do that, so they've got this like sucked in, high out cheekbone look. Okay. Kind of think like starving Victorian child, but like fashion. <laughs> but trendy. Yeah, yeah, but trendy. <laughs> but trendy. But yes, yeah, sorry to interrupt Addie. No worries. Um, thank you for explaining that. But we see things like that and very subtle trends as well, like tips and tricks to make your jawline seem more defined if you put your like tongue at the top of your mouth mm -hmm. and things like that. And I find especially as a black woman, 
like certain parts of our bodies have been seen as on trend, as you would say in air quotes. And it, um, I noticed it pretty young um, with my lips and I do have pretty mm-hmm. big lips. And then suddenly they are now seen as Kylie Jenner lips. Mm-hmm. And my aunts are African and they do have wider hips and slimmer waist. And that is now termed as a Kylie Jenner or Kim Kardashian body. So you mm-hmm. see the aspect of your culture and your presentation be like taken away and modified. And then all of a sudden it's viewed in a different light for now. But if it's seen on a black woman, it's termed as ghetto or she mm-hmm. definitely got a BBL when it's probably just natural. Yeah, I definitely agree. Also as a black woman, like I think growing up, I always got picked on for having like these large lips. I remember there was a point in time, like in middle school, I really wanted to get lip reduction. And like, I absolutely hated how my lips looked. And then now to see that this is something that's air quote, like you said, trending, it's just so funny to me because it's like for so long, a lot of us POC women or POC individuals got, you know, bullied and harassed and ridiculed for the way that we look. But now it's praised, but it's not praised as a black woman. It's not praised as a POC woman. It's praised in a white woman's body. And I think Mm -hmm. that's or even white passing woman's body. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what just makes, you know, things like fat phobia so prevalent because we have, you know, different things being pulled from culture and then we're seeing it presented now. And Mm -hmm. that just it's just disheartening because that's just how we are, you know, when we're talking about, we've talked about this before about like the distribution of weight. That's just how we were born. That's just how it is. But to see the difference of attitudes to certain presenting women, um, it's very sad. Mm -hmm. So I think like there, we've talked a lot about like the intersectionality of, you know, our, our being a person of color in terms of, body weight and the way that we present ourselves and how that is really hard to navigate in this sphere of dating because Mm -hmm. we already have all these perceptions like I watch tv reality shows now and like these men want girls with bloob jobs they want girls with fillers like they want girls with the bbl right but if god forbid if that's natural or god forbid if you have like a little bit more weight than the other person it's like you're not desirable at all so it's like who wins in this exactly i i really love that you've said that who wins nobody wins because if you think about it even these women on television shows who have you know xyz plastic surgery done to them as soon as it comes out that they have plastic surgery men will be like oh well your body's fake it's plastic okay well you've pressured her into getting a certain type of body And now you're shaming her for achieving a standard that you've set up. And then you're also shaming the women who naturally have the characteristics that you're looking for because somehow it's not attractive on them. And having to keep up with this is it's it's ridiculous as a woman. It's it's impossible. That's what it is. And I think that, you know, from an abstract sense, this is kind of what keeps them winning. Like, let's not forget the beauty industry is a trillion dollar industry for a reason. There's a reason why it's getting funded. There's a reason why it's working. There's a reason why 
people are, are feeling the pressure to give in to them. And, and I really want to emphasize that I am not shaming any woman or any person ever for, you know, making changes to themselves to fit the standard. I am probably the last person to ever do so because I also practice that in my own life, you know what I mean? Because uh, almost, you know, they say a woman's currency in this world is her beauty. And there's no, I completely understand why women do this and why they have to do this, myself included, you know? And there's so much, I mean, you guys can, I mean, you guys can talk about yourselves too in what I'm about to say, but there's so much shame often that I feel as a, a woman, a plus sized woman of color, as a woman who is not thin, that no matter what I do, I will never be what they want. You know what I mean? And if we think about it from like, just a societal perspective, not even talking about men, just like, if I don't look a certain way, no one is going to respect me. People are not going to treat me as a person. And it's only compounded because of my racial, societal, whatever my social identities are. And that's exhausting. That's so tiring to have to do that constantly. Like we're on TikTok. I see one video about buc buccal fat removal. And then the next video I see is like, how to embrace your natural curves. What do you want me to do? I am just a person. And this is me as someone who is 21 years old, who's had the ability to sit and reflect on the choices that I make and what I do. I can't like, you know, I think about myself when I was like 13 and I was on Tumblr and there was eating disorder culture constantly everywhere. And I, I feel so bad for the kids like who are our, like not our age, who are like teens now, because they're getting bombarded with this constant messaging. I'm not saying it was better when we were kids, but I'm just saying it is so, like you can get stuck in these wormholes, these uh, rabbit holes of content, really just showing one, one, like one concept. And I, it's ridiculous that they're growing up having to conform to a standard that they don't even understand. They don't even know what they want because their natural body isn't good enough. Their fake body isn't good enough. Their eating disorder isn't good enough. What is good enough? Exactly. I think this all kind of in this conversation, um, you know, we're not even trying to attack men or attack women or attack people, but to have this conversation and this discussion that, you know, at the root of everything, it's a systematic problem. Just yeah. as if when we talk about racism, we can complain about the racism, the misogyny, the, you know, the microaggressions that we see, but it's all stems back to the system. So that's why it's like, I can be sympathetic and I can be empathetic. I can understand why some individuals, you know, have this mindset. It's because it's been programmed ever since mm -hmm. we were young. The constant messaging that you were just talking about, Elvira, like, the constant messaging that we see, even like you mentioned, Addy, about like, you know, modern day depictions of, you know, body weight in like shows like Euphoria. We see these things. We're constantly seeing these things and it makes an impression on us ever since we've been young. And then we're continuing our lives with this mindset. So I mm -hmm. think it's really about deconstructing the system in itself and also changing the mindset within us. Because, you know, as much as I would love to point the finger at someone and find someone to blame, it's really hard to do that, right? Mm -hmm. In this society when, you know, we've grown up knowing this. 
And we've grown up seeing these different depictions of in all the media that we see, it's always the skinny white mm-hmm. woman, right? Or the tall athletic man, right? These are the desirable things that have been planted in our heads. Like you said, yeah. you know, this beauty industry is a trillion dollar you know, industry for a reason. And it's because it's being like, just it's constantly being shown to us at an impressionable age. So what else, what better should we know? Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's why, you know, in university, we're all like young adults. This is the time to be having these conversations. This is the time to be changing our mindsets and seeing the world in a different lens than the one that we were given and forced to conform to. I totally agree. I feel like now more than ever, it's become more acceptable to talk about people's body to Mm -hmm. them and mention like sly comments like, oh, like you seem bigger from when I last saw you. And we could see that from a cultural standpoint that, oh, your butt looks really big in that dress as a compliment. And there's just these notions that we place on people. And in terms of what you, you were saying, I feel like you brought about a really great point. And oftentimes people who are of a bigger size, aren't able to voice their frustrations about that because then they're bombarded with this body positivity aspect and that you have to love your body regardless of how it is. And so a question that I would like to raise about you guys is your thoughts on body neutrality and if Mm -hmm. you have any opinions about that. Yeah, so body neutrality is different from body positivity in that rather than focusing on being positive about your body all the time, you're able to focus on accepting your body for past its physical features and more on its capabilities, like how it's able to just keep you alive so your body is worth taking up space in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for myself, this was something, I think, a natural transition that had happened, at least when I was growing up on online, let's say just online, is that first it was, if you're not, then you should hate yourself. And then the next thing that I got a bit older that I was exposed to was body positive positivity, which I think in theory is great practice. You know, you should be, you should love your body, sure. But it is very difficult to do that constantly. Instead, I, I 100%, I, I, would, I would, as someone who is not thin, I would say that body neutrality is probably the end goal or an achievable goal because there is a difference between working on your body so that you love it. You know, I mean, there are people who, um, sorry, I cannot remember what they are called right now, but uh, they work out a lot. They're like super strong. Um, so gym that, bros. Yeah, not yeah, like gym bros, and then also like people. Uh, what are they called? Bodybuilders. Yeah, like bodybuilders. That is like one side that I'm putting that to one side. I think that is a different something that I'm not qualified to talk about, and also just a different topic than at hand. I'm kind of generalizing a little bit for the sake of the conversation, but body neutrality, I think, provides far more to people, especially young girls and young kids, than body positivity could possibly offer. I think people should be taught to not care, not, not, okay, not, not that they shouldn't care about their bodies, but that their body is what it is. You exist in this body and 
our looks are these kind of shallow things like your looks and your features should not matter. And unfortunately, they are probably the biggest indicator of the way someone is um, treated in the society, whether it's based on race, disability, um, size, etc. This is just unfortunately a fact. And that's why I think body neutrality is so, so important. It is important to also note, though, that I want to say before I pass it on, is that another reason why body positivity is currently failing in the way that it's spoken about is because it's centered as you need to love your body. This was a movement that was co-opted by disabled and I think black and brown women and has now become a space for mid-sized, thin to mid-sized white women talking about how much they need to love their bodies. And while it is, I think it's important to note as well, there's a difference between being insecure about your body and thinking that you're fat because you've been made to feel fat your entire life. And unfortunately, that is due by the systems that we live in, the fat phobia that we exist under. And there's a difference between people who are fat. There is a difference, and I think that gets lost in translation a lot. And there are people who are disabled and fat. And I think when we're talking about these topics, it's important to center disabled black and brown women in the conversation who started this movement. Yeah, I definitely uh, want to jump in. I was just looking for this book recommendation for anyone who's trying to read a little bit more about like body image and things like that. Um, in terms of neutrality, I think that, like you said, Elvira, that's what we should be working towards, neutrality. As someone who is Black, as well as I've grown up in a very thin body type, I think my entire life, and I think I also want to bring this into the conversation too, even though being thin or being skinnier is always going to be, um, unfortunately, the body norm or the body type, people who are skinny or thin still struggle within their bodies. I think I've always grown up um, with people mentioning how I'm so skinny, I'm so skinny. And I always felt like I couldn't say that, you know, I struggle with my body. I struggle with being comfortable in my skin. Because if I dare to say anything, someone would be, well, at least you're not larger. At least you're not bigger. And yeah. just having that mindset as well, like perpetuates fat phobia, or it just perpetuates this idea of the false reality of body positivity. Because if we're trying to have body positivity, that doesn't include, you know, people who struggle in a thinner or a skinnier yeah. like body, right? So I think that's something that I've always personally like struggled with um, people always commenting on my body and thinking that it's a compliment when it's not when you don't really see what I struggle with personally behind closed doors. Um, because even even the larger person who works and works and works at hard to get to that goal of being, you know, skinny or thinner, they're still struggling. Right. Yeah. And it's like always like in the sense of like chasing happiness, you're not going to be happy if you're constantly chasing something, if you're not neutral and accepting of what you have and what you're given. Yeah. 
So I think yeah. that's why body neutrality is so important. So mm-hmm. a book that I actually purchased and I read a little bit about, it's called More Than a Body. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe it's by Lindsay and Lexi um, Kite. I believe it's K-I-T-E. They're both PhD um, and they're sisters. And it's um, a novel. It's about your body is an instrument, not an ornament. And mm-hmm. it really talks about how these two women um, you know, were twins their entire life, but they were constantly picked apart by how they look. So if anyone's looking for a really great read, I highly recommend this book because it just talks about asking ourselves questions on how do we feel about our body? It talks about this sense of this outside perception. We view, ever since we were young, we view our body the way that other people perceive it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think body neutrality kind of talks about it's not about how other people are seeing how we look it's about how we feel about it and ever since we were young we always depict how we feel based on other people's perception so i think this book is an amazing book that deconstructs that and looks at it from a lens from within and not the outside so i just wanted to mention that because i think it was just such a beautiful book talking about like self-reflection and self-compassion and i think that's what's needed when we talk about fat phobia um Mm -hmm. it's about being able to love yourself for who you are and not um confine people to these boxes of how they should look but more so appreciating what they do have and appreciate the body that they are in so um something that i also agree with as well like as a young girl i've definitely had my body be the subject of conversation, especially being in a dance space. So I did mm. competitive dance at a super young age. And especially in terms of ballet, your body oh, yeah. is the main focus. Yeah. And you have to be a certain size in order to have your body show these elongated, elegant lines, as my teacher mm-hmm. said. And I um obviously I started to kind of hit puberty at a pretty young age. So I started to have curves and changes to my body occurring. And one thing that I found very interesting is that we we would have our costumes sewn months before we would actually have our competitions. And so we would have to maintain the weight that we had for our costumes throughout the entire year. And Mm -hmm. to have such pressure put on young girls was definitely mind warping in a sense and that's why the conversation of body neutrality has definitely been something that i have supported while also been able to see its shortcomings i know um a youtuber teen war t-e-e-n-o-i-r has a really great um analysis called the skinny propaganda and where mm-hmm. she compares thin oh. shaping and fat phobia and it's really crucial to recognize how all of these movements for our bodies kind of go against the term in itself and that we don't have to have movements that celebrate our bodies because our bodies are just bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like each movement that arises, like you said, is co-opted and overshadowed. And then eventually, you know, capitalism gets its greedy hands on it and turns it mm-hmm. into something else. And mm-hmm having such messages being pushed on young girls can definitely be very harmful. 
Yeah. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. I think that I totally agree, and I really, really feel what you say. I I wanted to um, when you talked about ballet. I had a funny story. Okay, it's not a funny story, but it's a funny story because I'm older now. But I used to do ballet when I was really young, and the reason I quit ballet is because, I mean, dance teachers in general, and especially ballet teachers, are known for their cruelty. They're known for that. They're quite notorious. Um, and it's funny because my ballet, the reason I quit is because my ballet teacher um, used to call me the fat girl who couldn't do the splits. And like, that's a reason I was in the second grade and I quit ballet because of this. So, you know, it starts at a really young age. And Addy, how you were saying, you know, people have always had opinions on my body. And it's kind of like, why do you care what my body looks like? Like, why are you mad that I'm fat? Why does that bother you? How could that bother you? It has nothing to do with you, babe. It has everything to do with me, you know? And I I think it's so funny. Again, that story's not funny because it's really sad that this grown woman felt the need to, you know, kind of harp on a child for not knowing how to do the splits. Girl, it's not that serious. It's not that serious. But I think you're right. Like, people just think that they're entitled to have opinions on others' bodies, especially women. And it it comes out, and the outcomes are things like eating disorders. And, you know, Aisha, going back to what you are talking about, you know, even you, you know, experiencing life in a skinny body, your body is critiqued at. It's like... No matter what you do, it's not good enough. I did want to say, oh, and this is not uh, in response to what you said, but just kind of like an overarching kind of thing that I want, you know, the listeners to really, really pick up on is that skinny shaming is 100% a thing. And when we're talking about these movements being co-opted, it's often, I think it's because the people who are co-opting these movements or these trends, et cetera, forget that their insecurities are valid and it is a result of patriarchy fat phobia and all of the intersecting uh systems of oppression that we have going on but they skinny people in particular are not experiencing systematic oppression their insecurities are real their experiences are real and they have fundamental effects on the way that they experience life their mental health their physical health but they don't face the systematic oppression that fat people do, unfortunately. Not unfortunately, not that they should, but that is the reality of the situation. I mean, fat people live, experience life, and they, they, you know, they have to go into spaces where there isn't available seating for them. They have to go on airplanes and then be judged, shamed, mocked for just experience, like just existing. They don't have seatbelts large enough for people. So, you know, all these very things that are seen as small, but make a world of a difference because the world isn't catered to them. And that makes their life 12 billion times harder. I mean, that is just kind of shallow level examples. If we talk, talk about healthcare, um, I mean, there's so many medications that don't work on people who are over a set amount of weight or who have a certain body type, like pill and B, birth control, all these things. So we have to remember that systematic oppression is very different than a person's individual insecurities and individual life experience. And it is so sad that, unfortunately, when we're having these conversations, people go on either side. Because as I was saying way back before, is that 
this is just a this is just another way that we are being divided. This is a way for us to fight amongst each other, and not about the overarching system of oppression, like you said, Aisha. It kind of distracts us from deconstructing why we have these values, unfortunately. And it's so sad that you know we're at a point in the society where people have to make excuses for the way that they exist in this world, whether they have a natural or a fake body and the pressure or the fact that they even have pressure that they need to conform to. I think that's a really great point that you mentioned, especially when you talk about it from the healthcare perspective in that those of a larger size do tend to be it's the right word I can say this as, but they tend to be judged. And oftentimes a lot of the symptoms that they present mm-hmm. with are blamed on their weight. And this yeah. compounded if you are a woman of color mm-hmm. and oftentimes your pain isn't even seen as valid. So if mm-hmm. you add being of a larger size on top of that, it's like your pain is not is not only seen as valid, but it's also blamed on your weight. Mm-hmm. And there are also like certain things that come into play in the healthcare field, like for medication and how oftentimes they might not work the same way for someone of a larger size, but they, they don't get that information. Um, yeah. So that's something that you guys would want to talk about. Yeah, definitely. I kind of wanted to speak on um, Elvira's point earlier and like, thank you for sharing your experience, both of you guys of dance. Um, and I just, this kind of just brought up how, you know, you said, um, something along the lines, Alvira, of it starts when you're young and this just related back. I'm going a little bit back to what you were talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. but how, you know, growing up, my mom never let my sister and I watch toddlers and tiaras. And the reason why was because of this like promotion of this, perception of body and like these young children being so heavily um, engrossed in the way that they look and the way that they weigh themselves. Like if you guys don't know what toddlers and tiaras is, it's just, you know, these young kids, like I think from the ages of like three to like 10 and it's like pageantry and you know they always are told what they need to eat, how they need to look. And it's kind of similar to what you guys were talking about in terms of like dance. Um, You know, we know the show's Dance Mom, like things like that. And again, like it starts when you're younger and when your parents put you into these things or you're watching this type of media. Um, So that just brought up a point there for me, as well as I kind of wanted to talk about, um, you know, fat phobia and how we've talked about earlier in this, um, this episode about how you can never truly win. And this kind of touches, I'm going to relate it back to like the the healthcare field that you were just talking about, Addie. But before I do so, um, you know, we have larger women when we, who are trying to promote body um, neutrality and love their bodies. Um, Like if we use the example of going to the beach, people are trying to accept their bodies. They'll wear bikinis and then you have men or individuals ridiculing them like, oh, you're so large, like you should be covering up, right? And that makes that woman or makes that person or an individual feel like, oh, I can't even wear the clothes that I want to wear because of my body type when that shouldn't be the case. But then if you look on the flip side, 
you do have a woman covering herself. I'm going to relate this culturally, like Muslim women who cover up in burkinis and they're still getting shame mm-hmm. for covering mm-hmm. themselves. So that's mm-hmm. why I think for me, when we talk about fat phobia, when we talk about these discussions, it really truly is. You can do everything and still not win because yeah. it's a systematic problem. And yeah. if you bring this right back to like the healthcare, like there is um, this condition called PCOS and mm-hmm. it really impacts women of color specifically and their body being able like they gain weight a lot more as well as it's harder for them to work off that weight so Mm -hmm. i think when we have conversations like this it's like it really is like it's hard for all parties to kind of work towards that body neutrality when there's not an understanding from the healthcare aspect from the cultural aspect you know, from the race aspect, you know, there's so many different nuances to this discussion that we can talk about forever. But I just wanted to kind of make those three key points. Yeah, I think that's really important as well. And another aspect I would like to think about is um, those that are trans. And I feel like in terms of body neutrality, um, I can speak about it from a privileged point as Mm -hmm. a woman. But um, for those who are trans, they might not have the privilege in loving their body just mm-hmm. as they are and yeah. often having to focus on like the physical aspects of their body. And that can be in terms of safety as well, just yeah. having to present your body in a certain way for your own safety. And that's just one of the shortcomings of body neutrality, despite its um benefits in comparison yeah 100 percent. i think you guys have brought up such such wonderful points and you know we've spoken a lot about you know uh, social media culture dating health uh, perceptions of our own body shame objectification all these things and i think you know uh, first i want to thank you guys for such a really vivid great conversation and i think if we're giving a final note i'll end on this but Of course, feel free to add if you guys want to. But I think I'll end on this point that that we have, unfortunately, a theme that's come up so often is that regardless of what we do as people, especially as women, we can't win. We can't win. If we go back to, you know, as a Muslim woman, I can speak to, you know, uh, plus-sized Muslim women, even curvy women, somehow they're not seen as modest enough because they just have... They just have a butt. They just have boobs. She can't do anything about it. That's just her body. And somehow certain body types are seen as more promiscuous. And some. And it always, always goes back to the systemic issue at hand. And it is so important for us to have these conversations the way that we're having these conversations now. It is so important for other people to willingly listen to these conversations despite their own life experiences and acknowledge and look at and change the ways to which they perceive others and treat others. Because whether we want to or not, it does affect us unconsciously or consciously. And it is, I think, most important from an abstract lens to listen to the people who are most affected by these issues, whether it be trans 
women, whether it be disabled women, whether it be fat women, and any intersection of all racial, you know, all of these intersections together, it is so important that we listen to them and uplift their voices because their experiences are so important and we don't overshadow our life, ex uh, we don't overshadow them through ours and vice versa. So I wanted to again, thank you guys for this really wonderful conversation on phobia. I hope that everyone listening had some, learned something, felt something new. I hope it added to your lives. It definitely has added to mine. And I'm not just saying that because I have to say that I'm saying that because I need to say that. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thank you for so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed and this was by Apocalypse.